guys, this is Leva Bates. This is Rich Bokini. This is Steve Young. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. E-F-F-Y-F-E. This is Holiday. This is El Serpentigo. The princess of pro wrestling, SoCalVal. And we are the Ugly Ducklings. And you are listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole Reffin Show. And now... The wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole Reffin Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 101 of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole Reffin Show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And here on episode 101, it's Wrestling 101 as usual, of course. You might as well call me Professor Perry. And, well, I mean, he, Darren already has pupils uh, on his face and also students. I have two pupils. And also students in a classroom, so he's sort of a professor. He's a teacher. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, episode 101. I, mean, I profess. We got over that 100 hump, baby. Right. It's all downhill from here. 101. <laughs> it is. I, it's just, this is the, I made this joke off the air, this is the 9 after 101. Yes. Right? For, it's sort of Beatles reference. For you Beatles fanatics. You know who you are. I, I just, I mean, I'm going to say we will most definitely have an episode 910. One day, oh which that one will, of course, be the one after 909. Right. But that's a while that, that, That's off. too long to wait. I don't want to wait 810 episodes. I don't want to wait. <laughs> I got you. So I, I just had to go ahead and say it's the 9 after 101. That's fine. No, it needed to be said. It did, didn't it? Question mark. Okay, so this is episode 101. How are you doing? I'm doing well. That's oh, thank you. That's always nice when you are polite and you ask me um, how I'm doing and how are you doing today? Doing well? I'm doing well. Okay. I just ate a cookie the size of my face. Wow! I hope you're doing well uh, when when people uh, hear this because they, they, they won't hear this in real time. This conversation happening. No. You might be doing horribly by the time you listen I to hope this. Not. And but you should probably eat a large cookie every day. Just so that's consistent. Well, you know what they say. They say a cookie the size of your face a day uh, <laughs> leads to diabetes. This is true. <laughs> they do say that. Um, so th- this episode, I, I, I want to say, is for the ladies. I like, I like to think all of our episodes are for the ladies, but this one's actually about the ladies. Oh, it is. Because Darren and I are finally going to get into this whole May Young Classic uh, deal uh, the the second annual May Young Classic, the Dose, the Dose. That's what they call it. They being us. You know who's calling it that, don't you? We are. We are. Okay. The uh, Dose, Dose, two deers, two female deers. <laughs> yes, indeed, and that, that's very. Uh, it's apropos. It's apropos. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the May Young Classic round one. A lot of talented folks in there. A lot of people uh, that we recognize from the the indie scene, of course. And uh, even our headlines is all about the ladies as well. In fact, uh, of course, one big topic in the world of wrestling right now is Brie Bella. Oh, it's so it's so 
Bad news Brie. for her. <laughs> We're going to start calling her Bad News Brie. Bad News Brie. Oh, man. Uh, so Brie Bella uh, doing some, uh, I'll just say, bad work in wrestling. And now to the point. Fancy footwork. And now to the point that she's actually injured a fellow uh, superstar. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, speaking of May Young Classic, one of the 32 competitors is out of the competition because she uh, is working without a work visa. And now she is going to be banned for five years. Which one of the 32, Darren? Probably not the American ones. <laughs> no, not the American ones. Not the American ones. But there's a lot of non-Americans. There you know are. how I know that? Because you just watched the Bayon Classic with me? Well, yes. One, because I have keen powers of observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have eyes and ears. I can listen. You have pupils. We discussed that earlier right, in the episode. Two of them. Throwback, throwback to uh, three minutes ago. I can read and listen and, and, and perceive and absorb and retain. And he's humble. Uh... <laughs> I have five senses. That's better than you. I'm sure you only got like two or three, but I got five. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. That's an enemy of the Three Stooges, I think. (laughs) No, but the the reason I actually know that there are so many non-Americans is because Michael Cole, Renee Young, and Beth Phoenix will not let you forget. Absolutely. That not only are most of the competitors not American, but they're the first, insert nationality here, to compete in the WWE. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It starts to lose its specialness when everyone is the first something. Right, right, right. Because it seems phony. Right, it, it seems like made-up statistics, which WWE right. loves itself some yes, made-up it statistics. Anyway, we got to talk about the Mae Young Classic. I'm excited to finally talk about it because we've been it's been going on for a while. I mean, it, it, it taped over a month ago by this point. Well, so, yeah, we've had there's been four weeks of yeah, shows. Yeah, so we we finally get to talk talk about it. Uh, but we can't talk about the Mae Young Classic, Darren. Not until we take a bite out of them juicy. Headlines. Bad news, Bree. <laughs> not to be confused with bad news, Brown, or bad news, Allen, who is not to be confused with himself. Why Brown and Allen? I never. Why? Why did that happen? I'm sure Vince McMahon is to blame. But uh, bad news, Bree. Um, she kicked the shit out of Liv Morgan. There's no other way to say it. During in-ring competition between Brie Bella and Liv Morgan, uh, Brie Bella unleashing the yes kicks all over Liv Morgan, and uh, about four or five kicks in, decides to give Liv the knee and knocks Liv Morgan out cold. Out cold. Out like a light. Totally out cold. And, uh, of course, the, the medical folk check her out and find out that not only was she knocked out, she also got a concussion. And I want to say at the hands of Brie Bella, but more so at the knees of Brie Bella. Um, that's not cool, man. And those are childbirthing knees. That's right. Those right? are some big old knees. Big old strong squatting knees. Um, so, and Liv, Liv Morgan, she's tiny. She's a tiny girl. Yeah, and boy, did, did broke the internet. Yep, you know, yeah, to yeah. to use the parlance of our times, uh, broke the internet straight up because typically when people say broke the internet, Mediacom is involved. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> oh man, dear listeners, do you hate your internet service provider? <laughs> we do. Right. 
Uh, no, the the broke of the internet was everybody decided to have an opinion, a very strong opinion, and there's not really a consensus. As many people just as flat out blamed Brie and said she's rusty or she was never good to begin with or why are they trying to cash in on this now or reality TV star done wrong swimsuit model, everything that she's ever been accused of, every bad name she's ever been called, and some brand new ones, uh, heap on blame for Brie. Then there's everyone who's who's saying that Liv did something wrong. And it's like, listen, Brie should have been safer. But also, this happens. Right. This happens on a weekly basis, just in the WWE. This happens just about every indie wrestling show. Is it okay? No, it's not okay. Uh, do you wish it didn't happen? Of course we wish it didn't happen. Could Brie have been smarter, safer? Yes. Has she trained enough in her absence to actually have a return against somebody who's used to wrestling every week? Probably not. But again, it's not like she did it on purpose. And that's what some of the hate seems to almost almost make it feel like there is no middle ground as uh, to back up what you're saying like it does seem like people have very strong opinions one way or the other i mean i sense the ring rust on brie during the mixed tag match at uh, hell in the cell for sure um definitely i even mentioned that i'm sure in the review like brie you can tell um has a little bit of ring rust but that's kind of all it was i mean there's actually there's actually a montage of brie bella botches just just over the last month or so, and it's it's a lot of failed attempts at a suicide dive. Ooh, that's like right. That. That's and, extra and, bad. And that that's the thing, though. If if you're wrestling sloppy or rusty or whatever you want to call it, to the point where you're you're falling on your own head, that's on you. You, you can laugh that off. Hopefully, if you're fortunate enough not to paralyze yourself <laughs> while doing it. <laughs> However, if you're sloppy in the event of you're making your competitor. Someone who's trusting you not to hurt them concussed. Uh, maybe you should stop and think. I need to pay more attention to what I'm doing. And and here's the thing too, because it is Brie Bella. There there are wrestlers coming out of the woodwork, like non WWE wrestlers, like former WWE people, going like, "Well, now come on, Brie's my friend, so it's not her fault." Or this stuff happens. If you reverse roles. And Liv Morgan knocked Brie Bella out and gave her a concussion on Raw. Do you think Liv Morgan would be on TV anytime no, soon? No, no, You're no. You're no, right. No, You're right. And that—that's my point. And that's a big fucking deal. It because is because Brie Bella is elevated to this status where she's a superstar because of Total Divas, because of her her work with WWE. It, it, it's all accurate. It's all true. It's all well deserved. Her accolades are all well deserved. I'm not saying they're not. I guess, but. Her accolades of just being herself on a reality show? No, I'm just saying I don't take away what Brie Bell I know, I know. I don't take away from that. However, you hurt another superstar. It's your fault. I know, but... You are married to a man who came back from multiple concussions. You're not You know that's a big deal. The thing is, all these people are defending her, and it's all of her wrestling buddies who will never... Call it right down the middle like we will here on the whole reference show. The whole wrestling podcast called right down the middle. That's the thing. So I'm going to call right down the middle and say, did a wrestler hurt another wrestler? Yes. 
Should she have known better? Yes. And should there be consequences, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. That, that, that's up to... Again, you, you can, that, you can that, ask Liv Morgan about that. Well, However, she, the, the, fact that, the fact that it was Brie knocking Liv out, and it's kind of like, oh, oh, she's fine, she's tough. If roles were reversed, there would be hell to pay, and that's not fair. No, it's not fair. But That's what I have the biggest problem with, Darren. Okay, that's fine. And, it, and, and that would be unfair. We don't know. We, we can't prove that because it's not happening. Right. We can speculate, and I think we can fairly easily speculate, and I feel confident that what you have said would be the truth, would be the case, that Liv would be suffering a lot more for her transgression than, than Bree is going to. Bree's just going to face social media backlash, the end. Liv might have her bottom line hurt by being taken off of television. Right. We, don't, we won't know that. We don't know that. All I'm saying is Brie Bella has all but been crucified by anyone who, like you said, there's no middle ground. Other than her friends No, no, you said that. I said that you said that. No, you said there's no middle ground. I guess I literally said it. You literally said it. That that unless you're on Brie's side, which again, no one should be on anyone's side... What happened, happened. It's not a matter of size. That is social media today, my friend, and we're not getting into that. But if you're not on Bree's side, they have crucified her, and that's ridiculous. I am not excusing what happened. Girl should have been much safer. Protect the person you're working with, period. But it's just so overboard. And I'm so over social media ruling this this whole planet. I'm tired of the meek having inherited the earth. The internet is full of jurors, apparently. The internet is full of assholes. 13 million angry men and women. Yeah, well, guess what? They're wrong. That 13 million men and women can be wrong. <laughs> 50 million Elvis fans can be be wrong. Uh, especially if you give them a Twitter account. Oh. I, I just don't care. It's the kind of stuff I don't care about. Right. We're reporting on this story because it is a news story. It's a real item that happened. Concussion, uh, you know, concussions are uh, a difficult thing. Liv Morgan, it's, I, I hope this is not the case, and no one has said it is, but I'm just saying for the sake of this conversation, if this concussion turned out to be serious enough, Liv Morgan could, theoretically, never wrestle again. Right. That's what makes it very serious, is that Brie could have ended her career. Even so, even if it's preventable, even if there's rust, even if Brie is in a spotlighted position she shouldn't be, it's not deliberate. You should not be vilified to the degree that she is. And... If you really, really want to raise hell about her being in a spotlighted position she should not be in, you cannot blame her for that at all. People will always take what they're given. You want to place the blame, place it on the booking team. Place it on the marketing team. Right? Isn't isn't Stephanie McMahon the chief brand officer? Sure. That's what she wants about Brie. That's, that's why Stephanie wants Brie... Bella 
on Raw because she wants to see the brand growing, right? She wants to see all of that cross-promotion, that synergy from the E! Network to the USA Network, Raw, SmackDown, Pay-Per-View, Walk in the Red Carpet, Nickelodeon, hey, and she can fight too, sloppily, but hey, she can fight too. She's not just WWE by proxy anymore. She's a wrestler for the first time in a long time. Uh, it's unfortunate. I hate it for Liv. I really do. And then, in turn, I hate it for Brie. All that you said is, is accurate and justifiable. Um, there was an injury. Injuries happen in the sport. It's unfortunate. Obviously, it's never fortunate when someone gets hurt in the ring. We talked about this before. There are no fortunate injuries. Is Brie Bella at fault? Yes. Yes. But, but, you know, it, there was no malicious intent. I'm sure she didn't go like, time to take this young upstart out. So I, I would not I would not bring the hammer down on her. But she, watching the footage, she could have. <laughs> she could have watched it. It's not like she did like a release German suplex and Lib Morgan landed on her head. That's like, oh no, like that, that, that was just, you know. That was bad luck or miscommunication or Liv didn't tuck her chin right, right or whatever. This, is, this one was 100% avoidable. This was 100% avoidable. And like we said when we watched the footage, like it's not even the yes kicks toward that point. It was the yes knees to the face. Um, so it, it was. It just looks bad. It looks bad for Brie. So I understand why people are so upset with her. Um, but I, I will say that, you know, maybe tone her down a little bit. Because I, I, I'm in the middle. You know, she should have known better. But it is her fault. You're, of course you're in the middle. You're contractually obligated. That's right. Exactly. It's in my contract. Um, but so I'm, I'm, my, my thing is more like if this were reversed, then the hammer would come down on Lynn Morgan from Vince McMahon. Uh, anyway. so What's your contract? What's your whole reference show contract look like? Mine is real. <laughs> Everything's signed and sealed. Oh, okay. Okay. Mine's on a Denny's napkin. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. It's, you you, uh, you think mine would be? Well, I think I think yours might be. Might want to take another look at it. Okay. Pretty sure we wrote each other's contracts one night while at Denny's. Right. Passed them off to one another. I don't remember that at all. But there's some. Uh, there's definitely some syrup stain. Uh, there's so uh, many Denny's memories, Darren. I can't remember them all. You know what my one of my favorite Denny's memories is? <laughs> please, please enlighten the audience. Uh. <laughs> Watching Ring of Honor, oh yeah, in yeah, the yeah. middle of the night at mm -hmm. Denny's eating while eating double cheeseburgers because it came on after SNL. Yeah, yeah so yeah. what? 1 a.m. <laughs> one a.m. Ring of Honor at one a.m. on the televisions at Denny's, mm -hmm. and uh, watching Jushin Thunder Liger fight cheeseburger while eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> That's one of my favorite wrestling That's memories. Meta. That is or, 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 <laughs> that's one of your favorite no, wrestling memories. That's one of my memories. favorite Denny's Too late. memories. You can't take it back there. It's one of your favorite <laughs> wrestling memories. Uh, let's see. Bash of the Beach 96. Um, the time I, I watched front Burger WrestleMania. ECW. Why I hit a cheeseburger. Yeah. Eating a cheeseburger. Watching cheeseburger. <laughs> cheeseburger. What is God's plan for cheeseburger? Oh, man. I don't know, but. Anywho, so, you know, Brie Bella hopefully will be reprimanded accordingly, uh, but 
Hopefully the punishment fits the crime, is all we say. Lib Morgan, obviously, the point is, Lib Morgan, get well soon. Concussions don't go away. So hopefully that is the only one she sustains in her, her, her future career. The punishment fits the crime. Yeah, man. You're a regular hammer rabbi. Ah. And uh, so maybe, so what does that mean? Liv Morgan gets to concuss Brie, eye for an eye? I like that a lot, actually, yeah. The, the Liv kicks. It's going to happen. Um, so speaking of uh, lady competitors, we're, we're about to get into this whole Mae Young Classic thing. There's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, we're about to talk about 32. 32 uh, ladies. Uh, but one of those ladies might, well, probably is, unless they recorded this without me knowing about it, uh, is out of the tournament. And that would be Nicole Matthews, uh, who wrestled... <laughs> Who wrestled the tournament, because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for uh, female wrestlers, obviously. Uh, but she did it without a work visa. And Nicole Matthews is Canadian. Come on, Nicole. And that's a big no-no. And she's actually banned from competing in the United States for the next five years. That is intense. Five years. She'll be 36 when the ban is lifted. Um, that's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, next, he, next thing you know, Donald Trump is going to build a wall around around the Nicole United Matthews States and Canada, <laughs> just just to keep Nicole or Matthews just out. Just around Nicole Matthews, <laughs> like like when I played The Sims on computer. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and when I eventually get tired of it, I put them all in the bathroom and then I wall up the doors. See, I was picturing instead of a square wall, I was. Picturing a round wall, which is basically a well. Mm-hmm. And so then I started thinking of, like, Baby Jessica in the well. I don't know what that is. Baby Jessica? I don't know what that is. You don't remember Baby Jessica? No. From the eight in 1980s? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Baby yeah, okay. fell down a well yes, somehow. Yes, now, now. The way you said it was like, it was, it was like a... Like it was by Baby Jessica. <laughs> like it was a, it was a, which I don't have. Jerry Rafferty song or something. It is a Jerry Rafferty second song. second Jerry Rafferty reference to episodes. Very nice. You know Jerry Rafferty was the lead singer of Steelers Wheel. Was he? Yeah. Oh wow. I only learned that maybe a year ago. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Jerry Rafferty, very interesting musical past before he was solo. You know his first band. Was also the Beatles, <laughs> him and Billy Connolly. Oh wow, the comedian. Yeah, not the com- not the comedian from Watchmen. Right, 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 right. Yeah, Jerry Rafferty, Billy Connolly band. What? Wow, that is that's truly bizarre. Baby Jessica, though. Well, no, no, wait, 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 no, no, no. We're talking about comedians uh, being in bands like Chevy Chase. A lot of people don't know that he played drums. For Steely Dan. Correct. Yes, All right. Absolutely. Woo! I was waiting. I was like, I don't know, Darren. What was this one? Oh folks? man, you you can't get one past me. I, I did last episode, and all of your listeners know about that. What was it, Jerry Rafferty? It was Jerry Rafferty because you said calling something. Well, I was, you know. Okay. Go, no, you see, said we're going to the end of the line. I know. And I said that was incorrect. It was incorrect. Okay, good. Because it was right down the line, but. We're talking about lines, you know, the lines. Very quickly. Now we're talking about Right Down the Line by Jerry Rafferty. Okay. Have you noticed the radio version of that song is sped up? I, yes. Thank you. Uh, actually, because you, you pointed out to I me. I pointed it out to it's you. It's not the first time you've mentioned it to me. 
I try I, to do it daily. I, it, it, it's, it's, it's our typical daily conversation. Did you ever notice that right down the line sped up with the radio? Did I tell you about the ham I ate? Oh, God. <laughs> there was chopped ham on the salad bar. It was so delightful. Uh, not not that processed Hormel stuff. <laughs> ham in a can? Hormel sounds like the worst thing you would want to eat. It can be delicious, but if it says Hormel oh, on the can... It comes out in can shape. Yeah, just like Alpo. Oh, God. It got worse. It got worse. Really, the only worse canned food name than Hormel is Alpo. <laughs> but at least that's for dogs. Dogs don't know what that sounds like. Oh, I bet they do. Ralpo? If uh, dogs know their own names, they know Alpo. They they, they know only their names, though, because they hear it every day. That's not true. And I... let's just say, come get your Alpo, the dog will think his name is Alpo. <sighs> I'm Alpo! I speak! I comprehend! Well, you've just d- destroyed your own point. Ah, you comprehend. You just created the world's most intelligent dog. Well, that, that's my joke, is people like to do the, the I speak joke, and my joke is always, I comprehend, because you have to be able because to you're, talk. Because and, you're and, and comprehend. terribly clever. And there you go. The point is, I'm very funny, and women like me a lot. They do. Um, <laughs> they like me to leave them alone. Okay, I gotta go back to baby Jessica for just a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, baby Jessica. This is and then we'll I... get back to wrestling, believe uh, it or not. Maybe. Okay. Uh, this is the funniest thing about the... Oh, actually, no, we won't. There's anything I, funny about cause, the cause baby I, Jessica tragedy? There is something hilarious about it. Oh, no, not funny, haha. Funny, strange. Okay. Though, about a uh, different place, different time. We're talking about... What, 25, 30 years ago, baby Jessica, right? So there's, there's, okay, there's a few cell phones in the world. Like, I, I, Ted Turner, Steve Jobs, Donald Trump. Say, you don't want to say Donald Trump, but you're going to say Donald Trump. Okay. Zach Morris and Paulie Dangerously. Okay. Those are the only five people on earth who have a cell phone. See, a little bit of wrestling there, folks. And, uh,. <laughs> Well, Ted Turner on WCW. There you go. Donald Trump is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Paulie Dangerously. Paulie Dangerously should be in the WWE Hall Mark of Fame. Paul Golosler, we talked about, is is sparring partners with a friend of mine. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Mark Paul Friend Paul of the show, Zach Morris. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Though, so, I, when baby Jessica's in a well, those five men are preoccupied. Or four men and a boy. Uh, I never saw that movie. Was that the, was that the sequel to Three Minute a Baby? Uh, it was the threequel. Four Minute a Boy. <laughs> Four Minute a Boy. It was a very controversial. A very controversial. It was a very controversial threequel to Three Minute a Baby. Don't forget about. <laughs> don't the word do controversy. Not, do not forget about Three Men and a Little Girl. The, the word wait, controversy. No. no, wait, not and, and three men and a baby. Three men and a little girl. Three men and a lady. Three men and a lady. <laughs> they were they were just a tad more clever than that, Darren. Three three men and a young woman. <laughs> three fellows, three chaps. Three three men and no and longer <laughs> a baby. Three men and a not man. <laughs> wait, okay, three men and a lady. Three men and a lady. Three men and a little lady. 
Three men and a little lady. I think it's a little lady. Shit. Phone's like coming a out. Smokes. Like a small lady? A small lady. Or a young lady. Phone's coming out. I gotta double check. Are you going to IMDb? There are people screaming. It was this! Are you going to IMDb? It was this! Ted Danson was a say! This, I thought that episode 100 was my favorite episode. This is now my favorite episode. I'm not so sure the uh, hashtag dear listeners would agree with that. Well, what did they know? I mean, Three we love men. you! Three men and a little lady. I was right. Okay. okay. Woo! Okay, three men and a little lady. <laughs> four men and a boy. Four men and a boy. Three men and a little lady. Why are we talking about three men and a little lady? I don't know anymore. Three men and a little lady has the ghost in it. Oh, right? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a ghost, though. But, it, yeah. but it's more fun if you think it's, it's a ghost. It's more fun if you think it's a ghost, yes. As soon as you realize it's a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson, it, then... You you have to remember that ghosts aren't real. Right, right. Oh my god, this is so far off topic. On, on that topic, though, let's stay on it for a second, because uh, a lot of people, if you saw the movie Three Men and a Three Men and a Baby, you you might you might know about the urban legend of there's a boy there's a boy ghost in the background of a scene, and then it pans over and he's gone. But apparently it was like a boy who had killed himself with a shotgun or something like that was the mythos behind it, which is all bullshit. It was a stand-up of Ted Danson that got moved at some point. If you ever watched the movie Stuck on You, starring Greg Kinnear and Matt Damon... Which, why? I don't know why you would do that. I love that movie. It's a guilty pleasure. Uh, in the very, very beginning of the movie, they get out of bed, and it's a shot of the floor. And you see the, you see the bottom... You see underneath their bed, and you see their feet hit the floor... One of the crewmen got under the bed and is just under the bed staring at the camera. What? And no one caught it. So if you look close enough, you'll see a face staring at you. I remember I watched that and I caught that and I was like, what the hell is this? Is it terrifying? It's terrifying. And I went and I I read up on it and found out it was a crewman who was doing that. Because I was like, how did no one catch this ghost? Anyway. So that's that. Go check I, that okay, out, Okay, I've never seen that. Oh, you I, should. Because I actually I have not actually seen that movie. Okay. It's, I just, it's Fairly Brothers, right? It's Fairly Brothers And movie, really, yes. you, no one should see any of their movies. You watch uh, your mouth. <laughs> Kingpin, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, oh, that's what I was going to say a second Shallow ago. Shallow Hal, hello. I was going to say when you went... Okay, you're right. Shallow Hal is a brilliant movie. Something about Mary? Hope you like Bean Dip. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's something about Mary does not hold up. Oh my goodness gracious. It, it really does. I mean, when you make the Brett Favre joke in your real life all the time, it's no longer funny in that movie. He's in the movie, also, he's in the movie for five seconds. No, not not the joke of him being a person. The, the, the making fun of his name. Okay. Also, Chris Elliott, not funny. You watch your mouth. There's no way. He, you, he, there is he, no way it, that you it, like Chris Elliott. That is the most passionate response I have ever gotten from you on the show, and it had nothing to do with wrestling, by the way. No, no, I used to hate Chris Elliott. Here we go. But but you but, ran into him he, at some Hollywood coffee no, shop. No, no, I've never seen him out and, and about. Now before. you're going to start a podcast. I've with never him. seen him out before, and I've never even seen Cabin Boy, which apparently is quote very very funny. There's no way that's funny. There's no way that's funny. But I mean Groundhog Day. I, I, I love his, his little cameo in Kingpin, and I, I love him in Something About Mary. Also, Eagle Heart, done by a Conan O'Brien's production company. I have no idea what that is. Is hilarious. You should watch that. So I'm, I've lightened up on, on Chris Elliott. We are 30 minutes in, and we need to get back to wrestling right now. Nicole Matthews, what can I say? 
In closing about Nicole Matthews. Yes. In closing. In closing about Nicole Matthews. Chris Elliott. The one thing I'll give Chris Elliott is that sitcom that starred him in the early 90s. What was the name of it? Oh, my God. He and the show started with him riding a bicycle down the road. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the theme song of the show was the song Stand by R.E.M. Okay. Well, even though I was a child, I was already a lifelong fan of R.E.M. So I watched that show somewhere in between me watching the first couple seasons of The Simpsons, Married with Children, Wonder Years, Doogie Howser. That Chris Elliott show fell into my into my uh, my uh, repertoire or whatever uh, of TV shows. And that's all the credit I'm willing to give Chris Elliott for now. Fair enough. For now. Okay, Nicole Matthews. Did you, wait, wait, did you ever wrap up your baby Jessica story? Uh, no. Okay, very quickly. Very wrap quickly. Up the baby Jessica story. Uh, th- this is just, this is just like weird how time works. Um, and when you think about how much the world has changed. The night they rescued baby Jessica was my grandmother's birthday. Okay. And the reason I remember that is because there, there was this uh, Italian restaurant uh, in our hometown. It's still there. It's called Mom and Dad's. At, at Mom and Dad's restaurant was one of my grandmother's two favorite restaurants in town. She, we always went to one of them for her birthday. The, baby Jessica is the biggest news story on planet Earth. Um, everybody very concerned about one baby, uh, <laughs> in a world where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people die of starvation and war and genocide. This baby, this baby, this horrible tragedy befell this about baby. That baby. Oh my God. We're seeing the real Darren Beasley. Folks. Okay. She's a precious snowflake. Thank you. Just like everyone else. Oh wow. Man. Yeesh. So... The weird thing is, all these people are out eating their Italian dinners, uh, but everybody really would rather be at home watching Dan Rather or Tom Brokaw or Ted Koppel talk about baby Jessica. Right. Which means, this is also in an era where unless you're in a New York pizzeria or some sort of pub, the, the Italian restaurant wasn't full of televisions, except on this night... The owner of the place, dude named Massimo, drags a bunch of TVs into the restaurant and just has them like plugged in in random areas, like in the, the, the way you're describing this. I'm getting uh, an image of someone named Massimo who is literally dragging huge TVs and plugging them into every outlet and putting them on people's tables and going, Ah, manja, 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 bela, bela, bela. You got it. Oh, is you that got a very oh, okay. you Is he wearing a chef's picture. hat and he has a curly mustache? No offense? Uh, <laughs> none taken. Okay. No, no, he he's always been clean shaven, but... Because you're a chef. Yeah. Well... With a curly mustache. Not according to John well, you're... <laughs> Oh, although, you'll, you'll answer for that one. Although, although John does have a... Step uh, <laughs> brother-in-law who oh wow is a chef. A hundred one episodes in, and you're airing a grievance <laughs> on me, and this is how he's gonna find out. He's gonna listen to the episode and go, "Hey, yeah, John, uh, we got a bone to pick with you." Okay, we we really do need to get back on track. 
But suffice it to say, <laughs> if baby Jessica fell down a well in 2018, we'd all be looking on our phones in between our escargot and our spaghetti and meatballs. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Okay. Um, escargot, though, it's French. It's not really Italian. Okay, but they serve it at mom and dad's. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know how I know they serve it at mom and dad's? Oh, that's how you ordered it. Oh, God. Yes, as a matter of fact, it's been so long since I've been to mom and dad's Italian restaurant. The last time I was at mom and dad's Italian restaurant, I ate escargot. You know why I was there? Because you were 10? It was my junior prom, and I was there with your sister. Oh, my God! Last time I was at mom and dad's was my junior prom. Not with my sister, by the way. It was with another girl who remains nameless, and wherever she is, I hope she's in a lot of pain. Oh, that is horrible. Well, she had it coming. We'd all be on our phones, and between our escargot and our spaghetti and meatballs, and we'd be going, oh, look, baby Jessica, I wonder what he's... (laughs) Wonder who's tweeting you keep about saying Jessica. And I keep thinking of Almond Brothers. So yeah. We'd be we'd be seeing who's tweeting about baby Jessica. Who is earnestly tweeting about baby Jessica? Who is making who's already making inappropriate jokes about baby Jessica? Right? It'd be all over Twitter. But on this night, it's literally like twelve inch black and white TVs. Sitting on like the bar tops and in the waiting room, and people they 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 they're out. They're drinking their their black Russians. Only place I've ever had a black Russian, by the way. Oh god. Um, and and they're eating they're, and they're eating their Italian dinners, and they're worried about this poor little baby Jessica. Which they should not be worried about, apparently, because you you wish death. They should be no more worried about. Wow, this is... She She survived baby Jessica, by the way. But do you think, even now in her adulthood, she's referred to as baby Jessica? Well, she, by me she is. <laughs> I want you to refer to an adult as baby something. That's hilarious. You know I had an uncle baby. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, so, Nicole Matthews, we wish you well. We'll see you in five years. Uh, wow, hashtag dear listeners, uh, if you're still with us, Here's a trophy. <laughs> Here's a trophy. That was that was the furthest away. That was the farthest away from wrestling, from the topic at hand that we've ever gotten. Congratulations, Darren. Uh, yeah, I, I will say I would still be down for exploring four men and a boy, but not now. Well, we don't have time to explore four men and a boy because we have to explore thirty-two ladies. Who competed recently in the May Young Classic, second annual May Young Classic, 2018 May Young Classic? Darren and I, we watched it together. We were buds, and we only ever hang out when it involves the podcast these days. And we'll air that grievance later off air. <laughs> so let's get into it. It is the May Young Classic, the second annual May Young Classic, 2018. As we speak, there are four episodes up on the WWE Network. All four episodes feature four matches. The first round, the round of 32, and we will see 16 matches. We're going to talk about them today. All of this round one, episode one. We have Michael Cole, Renee Young, and Beth Phoenix doing the commentary. 
And I know you've got something to say about that, Perry. Ooh. Now, um, a couple things about commentary. Uh, my issue is, of course, that it should be Mario Ronaldo doing commentary. Period. And, and, and not Michael Cole. Only because he does a lot more research. He's a lot more prepared for these things. Michael Cole... He, you know, he does what he does watching, you know, Raw, and he he knows those people so well. So uh, I bet this was actually fun for him because he got to talk about people he's never talked about before. Uh, I bet that's the last nice thing you're gonna say about that's, Michael. Well, I mean, I don't I don't hate him with a fiery passion as much as you do. I don't hate so, him. So so good for Michael Cole if he had fun calling this, just because it's it's new people and, and new things. And if if Michael Cole was ever challenged at this point, this would be the challenge for him. But no, last year it was what? Jim Ross and Lita? It was. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, no, Morrow should call any new competitors in, a, in a, a competition like this, say a tournament like this, just because his enthusiasm and, again, his research, I'm always, always surprised by how prepared he is as far as researching competitors and also naming very obscure moves very just random offense. Accurately. Very accurately. Michael Cole had a lot of struggles uh, calling this with just not knowing what a move was called because these women are doing these like high-impact moves that you don't see the women on Raw and SmackDown Live do, and that's just a fact. These girls are wrestling like indie wrestlers, and it's it's all good. And, 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 and I'm not trying to discredit Michael Cole completely, but I believe the reality it probably is that he's got a fact sheet about them, and that's it. Yeah. I don't think he's interested at this stage in his career in sitting down with 32 women, 25 of them he's never met before, right. and exploring their entire move set. But also acting like, oh, I've seen her compete a lot. It's like, bullshit. Bullshit, you have Michael Cole. Uh, the only other gripe I have is uh, Renee and Beth sound very similar. They do. They do sound similar. So it was kind but, of like, who's which one said that <laughs> at some points? But, but usually, usually, not every time, but usually the better the comment was, the more likely it was Renee. Yeah, no, no. R- Renee, I think Renee is good at commentary. She needs to find, she, she needs to find her rhythm. She's got to find her rhythm. And that's that's what it is. It, it's all rhythm she's and, and we talked about, you know, the, the times that she has done commentary so far, Michael Cole kind of walking all over her. I'm sure Michael Cole has to hit certain spots when he's doing commentary. The stuff that he's used to, he's done it a thousand times. So I will not shut up Michael Cole for that. But they need to find their rhythm together at this point. Which, it's it's getting better and better every episode. Like, Michael Cole kind of, like, leaves open spots for Renee to kind of do her thing, too. So, And you know what Johnny Cash said? What'd he say? He said, you get rhythm when you've got the blues. Exactly. And that's all Renee needs. She's got the knowledge. She's got the voice. She she has the wherewithal. I've said that before. Her uh, her ability to be present is unlike anybody in wrestling. Right. She's not one of the the robotic. Oh my uh, god! Interviewers in the back who shut down at the end of them. They literally power down after every interview. It's, it's obnoxious. The wrestler walks away after also, after promoing, and then the the interviewer just powers down. Yeah, as in the first or second episode, we see the nameless yeah. uh, interviewer backstage we've never seen before talking to Natalia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that woman, we never saw anything but a severe profile. 
She did not turn. She did not move. She didn't have a name. A, a cardboard cutout could have done that job. And I'm not talking about the one of Ted Danson from Free Men and a Baby. Uh, oh, God, we don't want to... we got to climb out of the quicksand, Dan. Oh, jeez. So th- that's what I'll but say no, about the commentary team. Beyond that, uh, Renee needs to watch her Canadian accent every now and again because she said forearm... Or, or rather, she meant to say forearm, and she said farm. She said She literally farm. said farm. She had a big farm. <laughs> yeah, and we did not miss her. That. I was like, is she from she Oklahoma? S- she said farm. Oh, okay, there we go. So, yeah, yeah totally. Beyond that, great job, Renee. Keep it up. What's Michael gonna... Cole is doing as well as Michael Cole is doing as well as he can. Beth Phoenix. <laughs> Beth Phoenix is just hey, I used to wrestle, so here's my opinion. And she she's good because she calls uh, moves like she could actually like you know half Nelson, full Nelson, yeah, yeah. Any kind of Nelson, she's there for. Yeah, like uh, the 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 '80s rock group Nelson. Exactly. Yes. Um, that's Ricky Nelson's kids, by the way. It is. Well, maybe Nelson from the Simpsons. <laughs> That's the one. Let's get to the action. Okay, please. How about that? The, 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 the listeners are, are begging, are begging for us to talk about this thing. The opening match of the May Young Classic 2018, Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox. The evil Transformer, the evil Decepticon, Tegan Knox. Okay, I, f- I feel a little stupid. We announced Tegan Knox. You should Knox. feel a lot stupid. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. We should. <laughs> we should. What? We have been talking about Tegan Knox, and uh, I did not realize that it was Nixon Newell. And Nixon Newell has been in NXT for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's been training at the Performance Center, and she's wrestled as Nixon Newell the entire time. And so I guess she's taken on the name Tegan Knox for the Mae Young Classic. And uh, so, so okay, good. Now at least we know who she is. Uh, she's from Wales. She's a very proud Welsh woman. She takes on uh, the Chilean competitor, Zatara. The uh, first ever Chilean uh, competitor. Oh, my God. Woman competitor to step forward. In the, 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 the. Yeah. Um, first ever, Darren. This is the first uh, ever time they've ever fought each other in WWE ring before. First it's, ever. It's the first time Nixon Newell has. It's ever, the first ever time I ever watched them wrestle in a WWE ring before, Darren. First ever. Um. Yeah. You, you're getting a lot of participation trophies there, WWE. And then the second time it happens, it'll be the first second time. Ooh. <laughs> only, only a brand officer like Stephanie McMahon could come up with some nonsense like that. Yeah. That's some, that's some Dr. Seuss-level nonsense. That's yeah, some Dr. Who-level nonsense. Ooh, it's Dr. Nonsense-level nonsense. <laughs> he had a doctorate in nonsense. I don't remember that I don't remember that TV show. You should... Yeah, it came on after um, that Chris Elliott show. We don't remember the name of it. <laughs> Apparently, you fell asleep afterwards. What was the name of that show? Oh, God, stop. Anyway, so this match happened. Zatara is the queen. Not, she's probably the first ever queen, but she's the queen of the back bump double drop kick. Yeah. I say she's the queen because she's not the only one. We're going to see that move a lot. We're going to see a lot of moves a lot. Yeah. But Zatara might as well go to the U.S. Patent Office <laughs> and get that double drop kick back bump uh, patented. Because she does it about 25 times in this match. Off the top rope, 
uh, bouncing off the ropes, standing, uh, any anytime she can. It's a good. She does it well. It becomes almost comical after a point. It's like, yeah, Tegan, why don't you just watch out for that? She's telegraphing it. Right. But it's a good match. Both women get a lot of offense. Uh, we know what Zatara's offense is. Tegan is a, a little more creative, and she actually wins with a Shining Wizard. Yeah, yeah. So Tegan Knox will move on to round two. Well, it, it's, it was good because the they both had moments to shine in the match, and then that's the way this tournament so did, needs... So, so did the Wizard. Yes, that's the way this tournament needed to be. I think everyone needs to... Because that's what it's all about. These, these women who are not signed with WWE, who would kill... To be on the roster, they this is their chance to shine, and you know the chance to look good for Triple H, I guess, who runs things at NXT. Um, but there are some matches that are very lopsided, and some people did not get a lot of offense in. But this is not one of those matches. So. Next up, Rhea Ripley takes on MJ Jenkins. Rhea Ripley looking like a, a female Van Hammer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she definitely has that uh, that that rocker look now, which. You know, Teddy Storm has that on lockdown, if you ask me. Also, Rhea Ripley, I thought, looked way better last year wearing that red and black uh, wrestling attire. I thought that was super cool and coordinated and uh, just made her look, like, even taller and, like, leaned out just the way it was all done. Yeah, she kind of looks like a, like a biker, like a biker mama gone bad. Yeah, it works, um, but I like the old look a lot better. Sure. I mean, well, a, a lot of these girls, well, a lot of these girls kind of updated their looks a little bit, and some for the better. I don't think this one was for the better. Um, but and also, I thought her wrestling was a little more on point the last year as well. But it's only the first round. Not uh, that she wins or anything. <laughs> MJ, MJ Jenkins, to me, at a glance... And I don't know MJ Jenkins. This is the first time I've ever seen her. My too. But she seems like... She seemed like a more natural-born heel. But she's totally the babyface in this match. Uh, Rhea dominates most of this match. Uh, MJ gets some brief heat near the end. Uh, but Ripley uh, is working a real bad attitude. Like, that's the whole thing. She's the heel. She's got a bad attitude. Uh, she's, she's tough. She's a little more rough around the edges for whatever reason. MJ Jenkins... Doesn't really get uh, a lot of opportunity to shine. She's a big girl. Uh, we see uh, that yeah, clearly... Yeah, Rhea, Rhea Ripley is is a tall girl. MJ Jenkins is... Almost as tall. Almost as tall as Rhea Ripley. So. And, and I think that, that might get lost on the audience. Because the commentary didn't really point that out. But MJ Jenkins has a lot of height. Right. And you don't think about it because the she's too. about the same size as Rhea Ripley. Right, and the Mohawk adds some inches as well. Uh, MJ Jenkins, I thought, went for the whole like pumping the crowd up a little too often. So she needs to kind of work on that ring psychology a bit. But, I mean, it was fine. Again, it was kind of lopsided because it was mostly Rhea getting the offense in. But also, her look is so close to Ariel Monroe. Who to me has that mohawk look on on lockdown? Um, but decent match. Rhea Ripley does go over. Yeah, it's a pretty cool finish. MJ Jenkins goes for a roundhouse kick, and Rhea Ripley counters that, uh, and then snatches MJ into a pump handle sit down power bomb. Nice. And again, power moves you don't see women typically do in no, WWE. This was badass. And like, I mean, I I. I want to say fell in love with, but I mean, I, I got, I really liked Rhea Ripley. First time I saw her last year at Mae Young Classic. 
Um, so seeing her wrestle again this year, like I'm, I'm a big fan now, and they need to invest in her because she's got size, she's got strength, she looks good, and she's young. They need to pour a lot of resources into her. She could be a big deal. So Next up, we have Lacey Lane taking on Vanessa the Mountain Craven. Now, Lacey Lane, we've actually seen wrestle in person yeah. at Fest Wrestling. Vanessa, You'll be hearing that a lot in this episode, folks. Vanessa Craven, however, this is the first time I've seen her wrestle. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you made the comment that who's who's coming to the ring? The Dark Lord, Lacey Lane? <laughs> her music was so sinister. and uh, For a woman wearing bright colors and not dressed in like all black, it was very, very sinister. I thought Female Undertaker was coming to the ring. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Lacey Lane, though, high flyer for sure. Lots of flippy moves, way flippy. And Vanessa Craven moving a little slow. I, I don't know if it was fully intentional, but Lacey Lane is moving so fast and Craven is moving so slowly. I won't exactly use the word botch, but there's enough uh, weird timing right. that you wonder are their speeds, their actual operating speeds? naturally that far apart right or is it by design right or what's happening uh craven is a big girl very big but that's she's, why they call her the mountain but the thing the, the and rightly so but the thing is she's not like i mean she has i'll say some meat on her bones but i would not call her I would not call the F word F A T like no. I would. She, she's like a lean big. I was girl. gonna say I wouldn't even call her thick. So I, I I think she was playing up the whole like oh I'm just a big oaf and I'm gonna catch you. You better hope I don't catch you. Three five four. Basically, five. they're they're making her move kind of slothish just because of her size, I guess. Because I I feel like she could have if she wanted to like. Been been right there with Lacey Lane. Well, I think she could have too because there she goes for that uh, cannonball at one point and oh, yeah. and misses. Right, but the fact that she executed that shows that she actually is kind of nimble. She has some of that agility, if you will. There you go. Toward the end, another thing, and and I, I guess my confusion takes away from my enjoyment on of, of this match a little bit because individually they both look great. Yeah. Um, like, they look great as people. They look great as performers. They each have their moments in this match. But it's not a great match. Early, it looks like botches. And if they're not botches, I guess that's even worse. Right. Because at least you can excuse a botch as an accident. Uh, and then later, they both seem really, really gassed. Mm. And again, is it because they're trying to look that way? Because of how hard fought the battle has been? Or are they actually gassed? And depending on which one it is, which one's worse? Right. So again, I, I'm think they left me to think too much. Fair instead enough. of purely enjoy the match. I'll see if I find out Lacey Lane's been wrestling for like a year or so. And, which and I did not realize Craven's that. been wrestling for over a decade. So it was kind of like... like <laughs> I bet Craven feels good losing to this, this noob. Yeah, and she does. That's the biggest surprise of all, is yeah, that Craven loses as Lacey Lane uh, jumps up, uh, wraps herself around Craven's arms, drops her back into like a crucifix pinning combo, and one, two, three, Lacey Lane is the winner. 
pretty uh, pretty surprising. A lot of the big girls did not continue on. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Next up in the main event of Hour 1, Episode 1 of Round 1 of the May Young Classic, Killer Kelly of Portugal takes on Miko Satomura of Japan. Uh, I, I love Killer Kelly. I know you do. She has a very legit look. She looks like a fighter. She looks like an ass kicker. While she has no discernible accent, she has a European vibe, and that's pretty cool. Love the braids. Uh, uh, put your hair up and square up. Uh, there it is. Like I dig that. I really dig that. Uh, Miko, though, is the story. Uh, I, I prefer Killer Kelly, but Miko is the story here. And they they don't like they lay it on thick. Uh, we get a package where we see that Miko wrestled on Nitro, WCW Monday Nitro, twenty two years ago. Yeah, man. Um, and if I understood correctly, when she did, she was sixteen years old. I think that's what they said. Yeah. And yeah. so she's thirty eight. So she's <laughs> she's my age. Uh, and yet, uh, they're treating her like she's an old woman. Like she's the matriarch. All right. I mean, like, everyone's talking about how much they respect her and they revere her and all that stuff. And she, uh, and she, she looks a little weathered. I got to say, she looks a bit older. She looks older than thirty-eight. She, she but does. She isn't a, but she doesn't look like an old woman. Right. And she isn't an old woman. So they kind and she of, does not move like an old woman. No, but they kind of oversell her as being old. And they act like, oh, this is ancient lady. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's right. weird. It's like it's like in tennis. Right. If you're older than twenty six, you're an old person. Right. Like, what? No. What? Well, huh? What planet are you living on, tennis players? Well, they're not wrong about that. But Kelly really being sold as the underdog here, like flat out underdog, but she actually has a bit of a good showing. Uh, we do get to see a series of big standing kicks uh, from Kelly. We get to see a surfboard, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but then Miko is uh, like, all right, all right, time to put her away. Yeah. Remember what we're doing? <laughs> time to put her away. Exactly. Remember what we're doing here with Miko. So what starts out... Uh, it's the Miko, Miko Young Classic. Yeah. <laughs> Miko's Miko Miko uh, Satomura puts... A half crab mm-hmm. on Killer Kelly, and then turns it into an STF, and uh, it's like, wow, okay. So after a couple of wicked submissions, Miko has Kelly back on her feet. Pele kicks her, picks her back up into a Death Valley driver for the win. Spicoli driver. It's a heaping helping. It's like a medley. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A smorg- I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this. It's a smorgasbord. That's what it is. And uh, Miko Satomura goes over. Killer Kelly is, at least appears to be completely overwhelmed with emotion, uh, as if she can't believe that she had even the opportunity to fight Miko Satomura. So that's cool, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, they, they say never meet your heroes, but maybe Killer <laughs> Kelly... No, they say never wrestle your heroes. Yeah. Because uh, you might get your ass kicked. You, you might, might, get your you ass, might lose the May Young Classic. You, you might get Spicoli drivered. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly what happens to Killer Kelly. I hate that we won't get to see Killer Kelly move on, but I guess I can dig the 22-plus-year uh, veteran storyline right. uh, from Miko Satomura. So we will see her in round two. 
I'm sure it's not the last we've seen of Killer Kelly in WWE goings ons. Definitely not. Did she sign with NXT UK yet? Uh, could be. I think she might have. Episode- I'll, have to, I'll have to track down a lead on that hot scoop, Darren. The episode two begins uh, with Deanna Parazzo taking on Priscilla Kelly. We are still in round one, the round of 32, and New Jersey's own Parazzo, an NXT veteran, an Impact veteran, an indie darling in her own right. Deanna Parazzo is loved. Whereas Georgia's own, yeah, Georgia girl, Priscilla Kelly is the opponent. Who we know well from Fest Wrestling. We do know Priscilla Kelly from many matches we have seen her wrestle for Fest Wrestling. Uh, one thing I did not expect was for the commentary to mention that Priscilla had once been on oh, a gypsy reality show. My big fat gypsy wedding, yeah. By the way, gypsy dude is not the preferred nomenclature. Um, you need. I'm surprised they're still throwing that around on cable television. That was the name of the show, Darren. I I understand those that. those gypsies or whatever you're supposed to call them. They all signed up. They know what they're signing up for. I I realize but the, the weird that, thing though but, is I remember that epi- I remember her episodes too. Oh, I never saw it. Well, I I, 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 I wasn't even aware time, that it existed. I at the time speaking of you know talking about you know women who you would not name. The girlfriend at the time uh, loved watching trashy reality TV shows. That was one that she made me watch. What was it called? Uh, I think it's called like My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding or something like that. But she's like 18, 17 years old in that show. And I still remembered her just because she looks the same, basically. So anyway, so that... Was she going by that name at that time? I don't remember. I don't recall. I doubt it. Very Um, weird. So that, that whole show was weird. But anywho... Michael Cole does bring that up, and I was also very surprised that he did. Well, on this night, this is a very even match. Uh, Deanna Parazzo is clearly the favorite. Uh, the crowd is on her side. Commentary is on her side. It almost seems impossible to think that Priscilla's going to win, except if you watch the match. If you actually watch the match, it looks like Priscilla Kelly has every opportunity to win this match, just as much as Parazzo does. Uh, Priscilla Kelly puts on a hell of a match. Uh, it's even for the most part. To me, the unfortunate thing about this match is you pick two women who look very similar. Yeah, very. And in, in the in the promo package leading into the match, I thought like, oh, Priscilla Kelly, and it was actually Deanna. And I was like, oh, oh wow, <laughs> it's not her. Oh, but no, she is fighting Priscilla Kelly though. I was like, oh, that's weird. Priscilla Ke- Kelly's fighting the girl that I thought was Priscilla Kelly. Great. Uh, well, I think one thing I liked is we got a submission finish here. That oh, was yeah. that made it a little different. Deanna wins by putting Fujiwara armbar on Priscilla Kelly and then Priscilla saying so. She taps out. Yeah, I would have rather she got on, but it's hard when you're fighting Deanna Parazzo, who also obviously pretty well known and. And there were some upsets, I will say, uh, throughout this tournament. But Especially this was, as we go on. Right, right, right. This one made me upset because I'm a big Priscilla Kelly fan, but it's no surprise that Parazzo went over on Priscilla Kelly. But I, I think uh, Priscilla made a pretty good impact. I think I think she'll be back. I completely agree. Another fast wrestling veteran who the WWE has put a lot of spotlight on is Ariel Monroe. Yes. And she comes out to take on Xerxes. And 
this unfortunately reminds me a little bit of the Lacey Lane Vanessa Craven match because at first it's kind of sloppy. It's it's a lot of miscommunication. I, they're probably a, a loss in translation, a little bit of language barrier there, communications breakdown. Call it what you will. Um, but it, it does start to kind of tighten up halfway through the match, um, and they're both able to get in some some decent offense. Very surprised Ariel does not go over in this match. Yeah, because she is way over in this right, match. Right, right. She's super over. She's She's got swagger. Like, she's... She's she's definitely got something that she's got some cool to her. She's got a lot of pep in her step, and I, I, I dig the Joker thing, the purple and the green that she's doing. Um, that that's cool too. I mean, I've all ever since I saw a picture like her her eight by ten of Ariel Monroe year like a year or so ago. I was like, oh man, she's got a great look. And of course, and I was surprised they brought up the whole her being married to Cedric Alexander thing. Well, and they do because they have him. And what I presume is their daughter. I assume, yeah. In his lap, in the front row, cheering on. Yeah. I, I thought that was cool that they acknowledged that. So, Despite Monroe's incredible showing, getting all her shit in, looking like a million dollars, being one of the stars of the whole tournament, in my mind, she is eliminated That's from Yeah, the that was a huge surprise. And what's even worse, Darren... They cut back to Cedric Alexander and the and the small child, and the baby's crying. Oh, yeah. The daughter, it's crying because Ariel lost so well, sad. It's probably crying because not only did Ariel lose, Ariel fell victim to a top rope Spanish fly. Yeah, oh, that was awesome. Very well executed by both Zayxis both, but and, you need, and Monroe. You need both people to cooperate on that one, absolutely. And so maybe don't have Brie Bella do it, am I right? Ugh. Throw back the headlights. <laughs> but uh, Xerxes wins the match and moves on. Which takes us to the penultimate match of episode two. Yeah, yeah. That is the seventh match of the tournament. Reina Gonzalez takes on Casey Cadenzaro. She's American Ninja Warrior lady. That's right. She is an American Ninja Warrior. Reina Gonzalez, she is a monster among women. She's a she's a big gal. Uh, definitely improved her look since the last one. Her last her last uh, wardrobe was was semi laughable. So they kind of they churched up a bit. I think it it, it, it works a lot better. Um, I didn't know what to expect from Casey because she's not a trained wrestler. I mean, well, she's she's now she's went to the performance center and trained, but she's not someone. Well, I trained at 3D Academy, and, and I've been on the indie scene for 10 years. Like, she literally walked off the set of American Ninja Warrior, and they said, you should be a wrestler, because people know who you are, and you're a woman. It's She's one of those weird recruits that's right. happened over the last eight or so years, where Triple H and whoever his, like, in-the-field recruiters are, they go to dance competitions, right, right. cheerleading competitions, uh, American power, power Ninja lift, Warrior, powerlifting, powerlifting, like bodybuilding. So, so and they just give people wrestling contracts, right? So, even though they have a huge roster, they don't do it anyway. Um, so, obviously, I'm a little, I'm a little like standoffish when it comes to her, only because it's like there's so many women wrestlers out there busting their asses, working for twenty five dollars a night, trying to wrestle and make their way. And this girl just walks right in. But you mean like Raina Gonzalez? There you go. But well, Raina Gonzalez has been on the contract for over a year at this point. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. Right. She's your example 
Rain is the one who's been there. No, I, I mean, I mean, like, uh, like Priscilla Kelly, like someone who is not signed even to NXT locker room, um, not, not even to the house show personnel locker room. Anyway, um, but Casey actually impressed me with her athleticism. She did things that I've never seen before. She climbed the uh, the turnbuckle uh, bar. Like, to get into the ring, and I was like, I have never seen anyone do that before. Not, or anything even close to it. No, no. And then a top rope handstand, and then a spin. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. She is, certain, she is certainly athletic. I will absolutely give that to her. And it's her athleticism that will outlast Reina Gonzalez. Reina Gonzalez is like, uh, she's a, a mountain, quote-unquote, in her own right. And, uh, but also, Casey's only five feet tall, so... I know, but boy... That that size... When they when they face off in the very beginning, that size comparison is intense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Casey, despite her diminutive stature, uh, hits Gonzalez with a roll-up for the win. A the fruit roll-up? Universal title? Yeah, not the universal title. Okay. Yeah, gets the win on the... Gets the win on the upset, as you said, so... The last match of episode two and the last half of half of the bracket, Ashley Rain half, take, half of the half half. Ashley Rain takes on Mercedes Martinez. Ashley Rain, better known in TNA as Madison Rain, and uh, the better half of Bubba Ray Dudley. Um, no, it's not Devon, and it's not no one. <laughs> they don't let Devon hear you say and, that. And it's not no one. It is Ashley Rain. Uh, on this night, taking on Mercedes Martinez, who we know wants a victory. Right. We know that Mercedes wants really to win this whole thing. And, uh, you know, Ashley Rain, of course, why would you enter unless you wanted to win? But I don't think she saw herself having any uh, real chance at winning this whole thing. On that note, they, they keep mentioning how, uh, like, oh, this, this person's just here to, to cause pain, or this person just wants to come and have fun. It's like, no, they want to win. Everyone wants to win. The point of wrestling is to win. It is, and um, Ashley's going to have a hard time pleading her case, uh, physically or otherwise. Mercedes dominates the match, the whole match. Yeah. And then in the end, she wins with, uh, what's, they call it a fisherman buster. Yeah. But uh, was it exactly that? It's, I mean, that is her finisher. We saw it multiple times last year because she made it pretty far in the tournament. But, I mean, it's more like a fisherman suplex release. I mean, that, that's kind of all it is. But you can call it whatever you want. Buster sounds cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it, it's enough for Mercedes to win the match. And Mercedes will be moving on. So we're advancing everyone who advanced last year. Still in round one, the round of 32, we move on to episode three on the WWE Network. The opening match of this episode sees the return of Caitlin, Former Divas champion. Former Divas champion. Uh, goes by the name of Celeste Bonin. Or at least she has ever since she stopped being Caitlyn. It's weird that they make uh, allusions to her life outside the WWE, especially the unsavory parts of it, but no specifics. They, they love saying, like, oh, someone's undergone a lot of tragedy 
And it's kind of like, what happened? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. But no specifics. Well, because I didn't know, and I had to ask you, like, what happened to her? And you, you informed me about uh, Caitlin's life. If you want to know about that, just, you know, look into it. Here we are alluding to it, not talking about it. Yeah, but she, well, she had issues with with an ex, and, and you know, it was a bad breakup, and she didn't take it very well, and stuff happened. Uh, but I mean, she's uh, she seems pretty healthy and happy to me. She is it's gorgeous. Like a million bucks. Yeah, she is very well put together. She's incredibly athletic. Yeah, uh, hasn't missed a step in the ring. She's uh, gained a few steps. She she has. She is. God, she's a cannonball. She's a bowl. She's a rolling ball of butcher knives. There you go. She is a a, a force to be reckoned with, and they uh, we see this a couple times in this in this tournament already. Even in the first round, Kavita Devi, the first Indian woman, into ever signed with WWE, who is enormous. She is extremely tall. She's a power lifter. Very broad power lifter by trade. And so to see her in the ring with Caitlyn, a professional bodybuilder, you have two people who can throw iron around. They can, they can hang and bang, dude. They can hang and bang in the gym, dude, with, with Hulk Hogan. And uh, I don't know that they would, but they could. Yeah, they, could they, they wanted to. And uh, they're, hanging, they're hanging and banging in the ring with each other on this night, dude. Uh, and Caitlyn wins with, speaking of cannibals... Caitlin hits a big cannonball and is a devastating to Devi. And uh, you mentioned earlier how Devi looks a lot better than she did uh, in previous matches. She looks, uh, I mean, it was off the air that you mentioned it. But the, 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 the ring gear looks more coordinated. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. It looks a little more deliberate, a little more focused, a little more showbiz. And more precise. Yeah. Uh, than we saw in the Mae Young Classic. And also we saw her in the... WrestleMania, the first ever WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Yeah. Uh, don't call it the Don't call it the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. Oh, uh, but no, Kavita no. Devi, now this is basically her third time on a big stage. Her third time on the WWE Network with a, a focus on her. Uh, but Caitlin will be the one who takes the victory. Yeah, Devi's got some stuff coming up in the future. I'm sure they're going to use her um, because she. A lot of improvement over the year, for sure. Um, and again, I like the the updated look and everything. So, Tony Storm, one of the favorites from last year's tournament, and someone we could not understand why she has not signed with WWE or NXT or whatever. I believe she signed with NXT UK. Uh, and if she hasn't, then uh, I'll reiterate. We both here at The Whole Reference Show... The only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Say to Triple H and Stephanie and Vince and whoever, please sign this girl. Absolutely. This girl is women's wrestling. She is youthful. She is feminine. She is a badass. She's got a gimmick without being without it being a gimmick. Uh, she's got effortless style. She's got speed, quickness, and agility. She's got a cool name. All kinds of ability. Very big wrestling repertoire. I mean, as far as like pound for pound wrestler, I think Tony Storm's the best wrestler out of all the 32 women here. Wow. Yeah. That's hard to argue against. Uh, on this night, she takes on Jenny. J-I-N-N-Y. Not a spinning Jenny. 
Uh, <laughs> unless, of course, Tony Storm starts to, to spin her around. Ginny's got an interesting look. Um, fashionista. Fashionista. Which I hate I'm that not word. Sure that that really belongs here. Right. But there's only so much time for Gaga. So if somebody's got a real Gaga type gimmick, uh, we just don't have time for that. We don't have time to put that on display in the tournament. It's all radio Gaga. Yeah, that's true. Ginny also has a, an interesting look in terms of her ethnicity. It seems unclear. Right. Um, it's one of those things, uh, speaking of Radio Gaga, one of the, the most unclear ethnicities I think of all time was that of Freddie Mercury. Right. And, uh, you know, he was Persian. He was Iranian. And most people just thought he was some white dude from England because he lived in England and he had a, what seemed to be a British accent. Uh, so it's very funny uh, how that can be confusing. And, you know, I wouldn't say that the, the United Kingdom is the melting pot that the United States is, but there are a lot of different ethnicities and a lot of blended uh, societies uh, in terms of multiracial societies in England. And that's where Ginny fits in somewhere. There seems to be some sort of South Asian uh, influence in her, her style, her, her hair, and her complexion. But she's got a she's got a look that that is different. She she's she's rather thin. Um, she's got excellent entrance attire as well as what she wrestles in. She just looks different. But I say no one looks like her. No and one that's looks a like huge her. plus in this tournament to me. Uh, but also apparently Tony Storm and Jenny have done uh, lots of business together. They've been in programs together, um, so they're not strangers. So it's assumed that this would be just a good match in general, and it is. It is a good match. It's. As far as, like, storytelling, it's one of the better matches, I think. And also, I mean, I just love Tony Storm so much. I think she's such a good wrestler. She is a great wrestler. We see her pull off a snap suplex on Jenny that looks really gnarly. Crisp, safe, right. but impressive. But also, Jenny, like you mentioned, is very thin. So any, any, like, big impact move on her looks like it would just be devastating. All right, it does. Then we get a big... Butt slammed the head. Oh, uh, yes. Flying butt pliers, for lack of a better term. <laughs> uh, and then what Michael Cole calls the Storm Zero, or the win. But I know you took a bit of umbrage with that. That's not the Storm Zero. Um, unless she changed her finisher, but kept the name since we last saw her on television, that is not the Storm Zero, because you pointed out she actually did a Pearl, Pearl River Plunge. It is a Pearl River Plunge. That's totally what it is. is. It totally is that, um, which is just a double underhook sit-down powerbomb, which made famous by Ahmed Johnson. The, no, no, the, the, the human injury machine. Yeah, really, the human wedgie machine. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but no, uh, Storm Zero is something else. It's where, I, I, don't, I forget what it's called, but yeah, basically you're... You're holding your opponent on your back, and then you slide their head underneath your arm, um, and then you basically drop them like a pile, and that's the Storm Zero. Um, I think Samoa Joe did it to AJ Styles at Hell in the Cell. But not like, on this night. No, no, no. On this night, Tony Storm does a uh, essentially a pro River plunge. Yeah. It's called the Storm Zero by Michael Cole. Multiple times. And it gains the victory. She continues so, on. Ginny. Yeah. I actually liked Ginny. I liked her look. Again, because she was so different. I kind of I liked that a lot. But 
Tony Storm I love, so I'm glad she continues on to the tournament. Again, pushing people who made it pretty far uh, last year. Next up, Karen Q takes on Saya Lee. Karen Q, uh, a Chinese-American from New York City, and Xia Lee from China, directly. Um, this is Zaya's second year in the Mae Young Classic. She actually is an NXT superstar. NXT wrestler, I wouldn't say superstar. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. The funny thing about this match to me is they're both Asian women, and Renee and Beth are talking about breaking uh, stereotypes, and, and I guess. And However, they both obviously they both bow to each other as they're talking about breaking stereotypes. And they also go into martial arts standoff <laughs> mode. And it's just like, I don't know how many stereotypes they're breaking, guys, but uh, all right. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny timing um, on, on their part. But I, I thought it was cool, though. I, I liked the exchange between the two of them. I thought this match was actually pretty fun. Um, for a second, we see uh, Karen Q go for a big frog splash off the top rope. Right. And you, you get a little concerned for Zia Lee. But uh, Zia actually wins with a spinning kick to the back. Yeah. Uh, which is a totally made-up term. It's just what it looked like. <laughs> it's what it looked like it was, yeah. I don't know that that move has a name. I'm sure it does. Right. I don't know what it is, but what it certainly could be called is a spinning kick uh, to the back. I'm not convinced that could be a finisher. She might want to do yeah. something else. Yeah. That could be one of your spots, one of your signature moves, sure, but you need something a bit more impactful uh, than that for a finisher, personally. But no, I, I did enjoy the match, but in the end... Zia Lee does continue on. And in the main event of episode three from the WWE Network, Mia Yim takes on Allison K. Mia Yim, lover. Uh, Allison K, lover even more. Ooh. And I was not always a fan of, of Mia Yim. It took me a while to come around to Mia Yim, but I've liked Allison K from the very beginning. Mia Yim looking like a million bucks. I mean, she looked fine uh, last year, but this year it looks like she's got more muscle on her. She's leaned out. Maybe a little too lean. But uh, the, the thing that bothered me throughout this entire match, and you know this because we watched it together, Mia Yim a bit more concerned about her her <laughs> her ass crack showing, I guess. And that's why I said maybe too lean. Yeah, yeah. She's constantly pulling up her pants throughout this entire match, which makes me uncomfortable. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about how she kept doing that because she would have to pull her pants first, then sell an injury, like like take a devastating power bomb, pull her pants up and go, ow, after she pulled her pants up. Uh, but anyway, so that, that was really uh, irritating. Just kind of like, uh, she keeps... She keeps being worried that her her butt's showing, because uh, I noticed that her pants were really low, um, <laughs> rather rather midriff there. But anyway, um, it's a good match. She's a great wrestler. She was one of my favorites last year. Mia Yim was. I was new to Allison K. I, I I recognized her from just working the Twitter and seeing her you know picture pop up or whatever. Um, I liked her some of her like I, I called it like no nonsense offense, which is her basically just like throwing. Mia Yim into the rope and then coming off another rope and just like basically pulverizing her. Perfect. Right. That was Perfect. great. And then these two girls have also done business together. They've had a, a history. I, I believe they talked about how Mia Yim broke uh, her nose uh, the first time they wrestled. 
But uh, there, there was a bit of miscommunication in the beginning. I think we talked about how this match was not great until the midway point. But the midway point to the end, the match did pick up a lot. So uh, Mia Yim, though, is the one that continues on in this tournament. Yes, indeed. After a slow, awkward start, this turned into a slugfest, a battle for it all, a brawl for all, if you will. Oh, no. Um, and it was about the seven-minute mark that it actually began to get really good. Right. And that's that's what you want. And then I was reminded of Mia Yim's finisher, the soul food, uh, where you put your foot up beside someone's head, you hold their arm, and then you drop back. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like you're yanking on their arm, pulling their head toward your foot, at which stops them. That's one of those hashtag if wrestling were real moves. That would actually debilitate someone. <laughs> That's the point, Derek. And I've never seen anybody do it except for Mia Yim, so good for her. Good for her. And we are nearing the end of this week's coverage. We are going to talk about episode four, the last four matchups in the round of 32, round one of the 2018 May Young Classic. Four matches to go. Let's get right into it, Perry. Here, episode four from WWE Network. Rachel Evers, also known as Rachel Ellering, takes on Hiroya Matsumoto, a.k.a. Lady Godzilla. <laughs> and uh, this was much more literal than I thought it was going to be. Uh, her entrance attire had a tail. She seemed to uh, stomp around and use body language that would imply she were a giant lizard. And uh, that's not weird for a grown woman to do. And wrestling, that's not weird at all. No, it's not. It's not. They make a really big deal about Rachel Evers being Precious Paul Ellering's daughter. So why isn't she Ellering? We, of course, know that Evers is the real last name of Lance Storm. Right. And Lance Storm, or Lance Evers, trained Rachel Ellering to wrestle. And so she's taken... His real last name as her ring name in tribute to her instructor. It could be a Nicolas Cage thing, all right? Nicolas Cage is born Nicolas Coppola, right? So he didn't. Oh, that's he, exactly what it is. He, he didn't want to. He didn't want to mooch off the last name. He became Cage and wanted to punch his own ticket. You know, as they say. So this match is like so many other matches on the night where the first half of the match you don't appreciate until. The whole match is over. And the reason I say that is because for the first half of this match, like several others, it's it's boring. I don't say to, that. To a certain extent. Well, I, would, you have to, I would say that. What else is to, it? Well, I guess that's fair enough. But, I mean, opponents have to kind of feel themselves out in the ring. Um, Rachel Evers uh, is a very capable wrestler. I, I talked highly of her match against Holiday at uh, last year's Fest Wrestling's uh, We Are Family. I thought that was just such a... Such a good match. Um, one of my favorite matches that entire night. There was plenty of matches on that card. However, Rachel Evers, is, uh, she's a powerlifter, man. She's used to being the aggressor, but this is not the case when you're fighting someone named F Female Godzilla, Lady Godzilla. So she uh, she got kind of manhandled for, or I should say lady handled, uh, <laughs> for, for a lot of this match. Um, but in the end... In the end, Hiroyo powerbombs Rachel Evers uh, and then picks her up. And it does, like, I guess they call it the rock drop? Yeah, the rock drop. It's a gnarly-looking side suplex. Yeah. Not quite release, 
not quite bridge into a pen, but just one of those hashtag if wrestling were real kind of moves. One of those moves that blurs the line because you're like, how did they do that and, and not hurt the person? Right, right. Where it's, it's very believable and there's there's nothing you can love more in wrestling than when something uh, that you know is not real looks so unbelievably real that you suspend disbelief. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's a great surprise to a wrestling fan. Ten times out of ten. And uh, this rock drop is enough to send Hiroyo Matsumoto over. And this has got to be one of the matches you were alluding to earlier in terms of WTF. Like, I, wouldn't you have thought that Rachel Evers would be going over in this match? Yeah, she went out pretty quick in the last year's tournament, too. It seems like they keep going, ah, oh, they keep dangling carrots in front of Rachel Evers and say, hey, join NXT. Ah, now it's not the time. Hey, man, classic. Now not the time. Man, classic, too. Ah, not the time. I, I don't know what the deal is, but maybe Precious Paul <laughs> called Vince McMahon an asshole. They went, oh, yeah, well, now your daughter's going to fucking suffer the wrath. And Mortis. And, and Vince has done many other worse things than that, so oh, I wouldn't put true. anything past him. It's true. Next up, Jesse Elaban takes on Tainara Conti. And these ladies have both been in NXT for quite some time. Been watching Conti wrestle in NXT at NXT house shows for a couple of years. Been watching uh, Jesse Elaban f- every single Gainesville house show we went to for NXT. Over the last several years, she was there. Uh, a lot of other shows, but she was always working security. She was working security. Yeah. We're not, we don't see this weird new character, this uh, like hipster character almost, or like it's not quite hipster. She, it's not quite bookworm. It's 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 like she's like a, a like a <laughs> Saved by the Bell uh, nerd character, where it's 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 slightly too unbelievable. It needs to be like toned back a little bit. And it does. There's another reference to say by the bell. <laughs> Tainara Conti's character, however, is spot on. Yeah, yeah. She's supposed to be a little bit like Brazilian martial arts. So that is martial arts is about to, are about centering oneself, but that part. Conti does not buy into. Oh, she's like Johnny. She she learned how to beat people's asses for a reason. Her facial expressions are worth the price of admission alone on this. Match has really good psychology. It's not as slow starting as some of the other matches on this night. Uh, they just the facials. I mean, the facials alone it shows that Conti is operating on another level, an, an extra high level. But ultimately, it is her ability, it is Conti's ability that is going to reign supreme over Elaban, and she will continue on after winning with a side slam. Yeah, 10 hour going over was no surprise. I kind of saw that come from a mile away, so. Well, what happened to her maybe joining the Undisputed Era? That well, would have been totally fine it with that. would have been so that smart. Stable needs a woman. Anywho. The penultimate match of round one, the third match of episode four on the WWE Network, sees Isla Dawn, who we saw in the NXT UK tournament in 2018, taking on Nicole Matthews. Uh Uh-oh! Isla Dawn, we've seen a couple of times on uh, WWE television by now, uh, UK tournament. She was there. 
Um, I think she's great. She's got a really great look. She's got that whole uh, modern day witch thing going for her. Um, she's a redhead, which I think she's the only redhead this entire tournament. Correct me if I'm wrong, dear listeners. She's she's looking like a million bucks. She's uh, got good offense. She's a good wrestler. I've always liked her. Her physical conditioning has got to be uh, lauded here. Right. Not only to transform her look uh, into a very healthier and taut form than really just a few months ago, but also the fact that she looks uh, so much more capable even than she did. Yeah, when she was fighting in the United Kingdom. She's a modern-day witch. Um, it's it's a decent match. I don't know a whole lot about her opponent. I don't know anything about Nicole Matthews other than she is an illegal alien. <laughs> She's Canadian, and she wasn't supposed to work this show. And Donald Trump might build a baby Jessica well wall around oh, her. Oh, don't, don't go there. Um, but the weird thing is that uh, Isla Dong loses... But what's going to happen because uh, the winner of this match is legally cannot work. They can't even like sneak her in and go, "Hey, just one more." They won't. No one has to know about it. Legally, she cannot do that. Yeah, she Nicole Matthews wins the match, moves on uh, after getting Isla Dawn to tap to the Lion Tamer. Right. And uh, somebody kept saying, oh, "Boston Crab, Boston Crab." Okay, yes. But it's a lion tamer. I was actually glad they called the Boston Crab first. Because they say Boston Crab, and then Michael Cole says, of course, also the name of the Lion Tamer, made famous for Chris Jericho. Because people will always call it Lion Tamer, and it's like, no, fuck you, it is a Boston Crab. It was that before it was the Lion Tamer. Fair enough, fair um, enough. Not to attack you, by the way. But um, yeah, I, I actually... I feel so attacked. What's so weird about this happening, the whole issue with Nicole Matthews going on is, I thought it'd be so cool if... Something were to happen, someone were to get injured, quotations, not a real injury, um, and it would have made one of the, the next matchups like a triple threat match, just to kind of change things up a little bit. And now it looks like it might actually happen if Isla Dawn is out-out, if they don't just send her in to replace Nicole Matthews. Right, but we don't know if if the second round, if any of it has been taped. I don't know what's and happening. And even if it has, what's did happening? Nicole Matthews... like? At what point was she? I and guess that's she why you deported? don't film things a month before you show things. WWE. So anyway, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Isla Dawn, I still think should have gone over, <laughs> but that's just me. And the last match of this conversation for now, it's the last match of the round of thirty-two, the opening round of the May Young Classic two thousand eighteen, and the last match. On the hour-long episode 4 from WWE Network. It is Shia Brookside versus Io Shirai. Shia Brookside, she is uh, she's a petite thing. She, uh, she's, she's a wee baby. She, she's a pretty girl. She's 19 years old. But she's got the chin and the neck of a Bob's Burgers character. Wow. Again, not an insult. I think she's wow. adorable. Wow. I think she's physically fit and highly capable. She's just all of those things in the body of a Bob's Burgers character. <laughs> because that's what she looks like. And her hair's made of cotton candy. It is made of cotton candy. That, that, that I will say. And it's made of nerd's rope. It's made of blueberry nerd's rope. Ooh, that sounds great. That sounds gross. Uh, Io Shirai, though, is a squash city. Uh, really is they, they they say she calls herself the number one wrestler in Japan or number one woman's wrestler in Japan. She kind of backs it up. She 
right out the gate does some very impressive maneuvers, and it's like, okay, it's not just what they're saying about her. Like, she's actually legit. She absolutely is, and uh, her moonsault for the win is terrifying. And the angle, they put the camera that's on the on the wire right in front of her, so we see her jump upside down and backwards away from the camera. After her Spider-Man pose. And it's a very good <laughs> Spider-Man pose. Yeah, yeah. And then we see the way that she lands on uh, Sia Brookside, who's prone, is, okay, your, your body is going to slide perpendicularly at, eventually, but the fact that the full weight of Io Shirai, whether it was her thighs, her hips, a combination of those things, or her upper body, uh, very, very risky for the recipient of that in terms of their ribs. Especially a 90 And very risky even for Io Shirai of everything. Absolutely. For that very risk you're talking about. Well, there was there was a lot of big moves that Zaya took, or just like painful looking moves, like... Is this Japanese strong style? <laughs> Easy now. I'm only 19 years old. Um, a lot of times the referee was like, "You all right?" Like it's a Zaya because uh, it looked like she was, and it was very, it was very one-sided. Like she took a lot of punishment, um, but I, I think this was kind of just a way of getting Zaya out in front of the WWE cameras, and obviously she'll have stuff to do in the future. But and I, and I look Io forward to that over. future. Absolutely, but Io definitely goes over, and she she should because. She's a very, very athletic wrestler. Very good wrestler. So she, looking she's, forward to that next. She's match. like more Kyrie Sane. Yeah, exactly. And uh, only but, with size, like she's actually. Uh, that's true. A bit, a bit bigger. So, and that's gonna do it for round one. That is the round of thirty-two. Thirty-two combatants. Sixteen matches. Four matches each episode, spread over four episodes. That's a lot of wrestling we watched in a short period of time. And uh, I, I loved every second of it, as a matter of fact. Oh, it's always great to break up the monotony of Raw, SmackDown Live every week. Just something else to, to watch, for sure. Um, really enjoyed it. I, I would have booked some of the matches a little differently as far as the outcome and, and who continues on. But I don't book for NXT or WWE. Um, so that's that. But no, a lot of talented ladies out there. And, and again, that, that's the whole point of this, if you ask me showcasing these really talented ladies who are typically out there, unless they're American Ninja Warriors, uh, out there busting their asses for you know very little money going from town to town because they, they are passionate about the sport. Uh, again, a lot of talent. And that's going to do it for us here on The Whole Refn Show. We finally got to talk about the Mae Young Classic and Three Men and a Baby. Darren, we did it. We did. We talked about Three Men and a Baby. Next week we'll be talking about Four Men and a little boy. That's <laughs> gonna happen, folks. It's the more controversial version. Did you enjoy the May Young Classic? Let us know. In a lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast. R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate that. If you want to, you can send us a Gmail at thewholereffinshow at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or, or you can find us on Instagram, the whole Refn Show, T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W. The whole Refn Show. We've talked about it a lot. We've talked about how, uh, not only in this episode but many episodes, how proud we are 
to have you all locked in there. It is the great escape. And uh, we love when you escape to our country, our neck of the woods, because uh, there is no country for old men. Well, call us a couple of Steve McQueens, because it is a great escape, folks. Uh, yes, come indeed. escape, come escape to the to the rainbow prism that is the pretty <laughs> pictures of the whole Ruffin Show on Instagram. That's right, folks. Come and escape with us. And until next week, my name is Perry Smith, and my name is the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. And we'll see you soon, folks. Another installment of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show. So long, folks. Bye-bye.